0: My dad said to my mum that if they were to get a divorce, he would want custody of the children. And they apparently decided to work on their marriage and to stay together. In this time, my mother went to listen to someone preach at the Goudini Hot Springs Spa, just outside Wuster. And she came back with stars in her eyes and she said to my dad, if there is anybody who can help, it is these people. The person she listened to was either Al Stegen or Lydia Tafosi Dubé. They came from a place called Quasisavantu Mission in Natal, and they preached revival and repentance of sin and God's forgiveness. And she fell under their spell.
1: This is Erica Bornman. It's the early 80s and her parents pack her and her siblings into the back of a VW combi. Behind the car recedes the town they've called home for three years. As the family heads east to start a new life across the country. They arrive in escort to start a brand new life. But barely had they settled in when their mother has more big news. She has to go away for a bit. She's going to live at the mission.
2: This is Exodus, Chapter 1.
1: I'm Noctula Manyati, a reporter at News24. Let me
0: take you to Escort in KwaZulu-Natal. My dad took a job at the high school there. We lived in a house right next to the Dutch Reformed Church. We are just across the train station. At first the trains really bother me, but then later I hardly hear them. But even though there's a church
1: next door, on Sundays they spend five hours on the road to go to
0: a different one. On Sundays, we pile into the car, like really early, but hey, we're we're a family of early risers, so that's not such a problem. But it is two and a half hours to drive there. We drive from Escort and then make our way to Greytown. From Greytown, it's a thin, winding little road. Bantub is Zulu for the place where people are helped. It's nestled in the Valley of a Thousand Hills. It is beautiful there. It's green and lush and so much mist. Early morning, very, very often, the road is just covered in a dense, dense mist. The headlights don't really cut through the mist, so my dad has to drive really slowly. Lots of twists and turns you are looking at the sign that says Kwasi Sabantu Meshe. It's green with a white border. The writing is in white, the way road signs are in South Africa. You turn off to your left. Now you're on a tiny little track. And, um, oh, it's probably not even a kilometer. And then you reach a security boom with a booth and a a guy pops out and asks you what your business is and you state your business. Well, my dad states his business. And they let you in, you park. On your left is this long runway uh, for planes, obviously, not models. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think anybody would be modeling those clothes. We were forced to wear. Anyway, uh, so a runway for planes. To your right, you go to reception. When you're not a resident there and you're a visitor, you need to report into reception. Um, You tell them that you're coming to church and then you walk down the steps through a garden and you get to the big hall.
1: Beyond reception is a hall, not the big auditorium they would build later.
0: They've set out all the chairs. The chairs are the most uncomfortable chairs. I don't think I've seen chairs like that. They definitely come from the 1940s, 1950s. I don't know, when people didn't sit for pleasure. The choir sings and then the main event starts. So now we're probably already, oh, oh close to an hour. Now the main event starts and it's usually Ale or Stegen who is this very imposing giant of a man. He's a South African German, and he is very eloquent, super charismatic. He is an orator, for
2: sure.
0: Speaks fluently. We sat on the
2: grass. It was a very high tree there.
0: Fluent German. And
2: after that, the Bible was to me beyond wonderful.
0: Fluent Afrikaans.
2: Goed al da die goed in die vuur, en selfs die radio was na jy luister die popmusiek luister. Fluent English. The deeper truth is, whatever he surrendered to God. He never took it back again.
0: So whatever language he chooses to speak to you in, he's fluent. He usually preaches in Zulu. And someone would then translate into English. I
3: saw a girl standing alone under a tree and I beckoned her to come.
2: So she came. I said, young girl, what's the matter? At
0: the back, they translating into German and French and Dutch, whoever happens to be there at the time.
2: He said, Peter, why do you lie to the Holy God, to the Holy Spirit? You don't lie to me, but to Him. Pietro disse loro,
4: poiché non hai mentito a me, ma hai mentito allo Spirito Santo, hai mentito Santo Dio. He said, Look, that
2: farm was yours.
4: He shouts a lot.
2: Marvelous. When people get converted.
0: And he gets really red in the face.
2: And straight away,
0: God works. He's almost like this puffer fish that just feels like it's blowing up.
2: That's revival, dear friends.
0: When God works. When God works. blowier and puffier and. That's revival, dear friends. And you just think he's going to blow it any minute. That's
2: revival.
0: So this red-faced man stands there and shouts at us, and then someone translated in a much calmer
3: voice.
0: It gets to the point where when he reads the Bible verse, I kind of have little bets with myself as to what he's going to talk about, because it's always the same thing premarital sex not that I know what sex is but premarital intercourse then disobedient children, sin God's judgment having to repent women, oh my word don't let them get started on women
2: you've got so much time I wish that sometimes I would have a bit of your time. Don't moan and groan that you've got to sit there without a husband. Spend the time with Jesus. Read the Bible. You're a woman.
0: Read. And then eventually, I don't know, after two, three hours... It ends, mercifully, and the choir sings again. And then you know that your little numb butt is gonna be able to get off that horrible little chair. The moment the sermon ends, the chairs are stacked up, quick sticks, up against the wall, away, and the trestle tables are laid out, and the pots of food emerge from the kitchen steaming pots of rice and stew. Then you queue up and you hold your plate out and you get a lovely meal and it's a communal meal and they feed hundreds of people every Sunday. And then at some point we all pile back in the car and take the two and a half hour drive back to Escort. And then that is Sunday done and dusted and then the school week starts again. I don't remember that I miss my mum that much while she's away. Um, My dad is a very, very competent cook, and he bakes really good bread. So we're okay. We do miss her, of course, but life goes on. And then
1: everything changes again.
0: I walk home, it's hot, (laughs) I'm tired, (laughs) because three kilometres is a lot when you've got little legs. I get home and, hey, my mum's home. She's home, yay. Something's something's weird. She's busy carrying things from her bedroom to the backyard and she's piling it up in the backyard and it's clothing and it's shoes, makeup. It's not only her clothes, She, she goes into my wardrobe as well. She pulls out my shorts, she pulls out my trousers and my tracksuit pants she goes to my sister's cupboard and she does the same. The dresses stay. It's just the the shorts and the, and the trousers that get thrown onto this pile in the backyard. I'm confused because I don't understand really what's going on. She lights this whole pile of stuff on fire. She explains to me that all the stuff that she's burning is the devil's stuff, and it belongs to the devil. We are not going to be wearing anything anymore that doesn't glorify God. I am no longer going to be allowed to wear shorts, or trousers or tracksuit pants because those are men's clothes and in deuteronomy it states that women may not wear men's clothes and well just like that my athletics career ends in its very little track My one pocket of the clothes that she's throwing onto this pile, she finds a little note that a boy in my class had written to me because he liked me and I liked him. And he's written me a little letter. She opens the note and she reads it. Her face changes. She looks furious. And she says to me that this is just not on. I'm not allowed to talk to boys. (laughs) What? I'm so confused, Um, everything burns. The smell is horrible. It's black acrid smoke. And uh, I wonder what the neighbors are thinking. This is not your ordinary garden refuse fire. But my mother is completely calm. It is as though what she is doing today is nothing out of the ordinary at all. She has this sense of certainty about her. I have been raised to not ask questions and to not question my parents. So I don't, I don't question her because I'm just not allowed to. That's just not done. But she's, she's calm, eerily calm actually. And she says to me that our new life is now starting.
4: We were born into the KSB family. This is My parents were converted long before we were born and they became members of the church. My uncle got converted first and as such became the influence to the family. My grandmother gave her life to Christ and then my mother gave her life to Christ after that and they became staunch members of the church. The church was aware of the government's plans to introduce sex education to schools, and as such, wanted to protect the children of the believers not to be exposed to sex education. So then they said, well, as of the following year, The children would then be uprooted from their schools and would be taken to the mission to go live there. There was no school. It was just an issue of uprooting the children, taking them to Zabantu almost as a place of refuge for what was to happen, for what was to come upon the children.
2: We are forming an important power on the continent of Africa.
1: It's 1986 in South Africa and this is President P.W. Botha.
2: Our success is of the utmost importance to the success of the rest of the subcontinent of Southern Africa.
1: It would take another eight years for apartheid to fall. But at Kwasizabandu, a multiracial society is blooming among the hills.
4: It is the morning of, I want to believe it was a Sunday. We were told to converge. Everyone was to meet at the local church, which is in Tugela Ferry, as it was called back then. So we're meeting there. We're waiting for a truck to come and pick us up with our luggage. We've been bought luggage. We've been bought sleeping bags. We have new clothes, lots of clothes. We have pad course and we are traveling. It looks like a school trip only, we're not going with the school, it's just the children from the church.
1: About two hours after they leave Tegela Ferry,
4: the mission comes into view. It was a spectacular view from a distance. It was beautiful. So just seeing it from a distance, we start getting excited.
1: If Tulembeela were driving towards the mission today, she would see a seemingly tranquil settlement among hill upon hill of green. Right through the middle of the mission, there's a runway for planes. On the right of the runway are about 50 rondavels, packed in neat rows of up to 15. If you live in a rondavel, you don't have much wiggle room. The prime real estate is on the other side of the runway, Here the houses are not rondavels, but stately homes with yards that could easily fit five cars. Beyond all of this are farms with orchards and greenhouses, and much more. These orchards are
4: important. We'll talk about them later. We arrive at Kwasi and we get greeted. We go have a meal. We are shown to where we are going to sleep, in the dormitories. And we are given a place where we're going to put our luggage. There were just beautiful buildings that made the ambience amazing. My excitement had a lot to do with the fact that I was just, this is new to me. And I get to see white people like so close range. I mean, that that was something big.
1: Now, it would be hard to overstate how remarkable this is in the South Africa of the late
2: 1980s. This guy?
1: P.W. Bota?
2: He's the president. It's
1: against the backdrop of the violent struggle against apartheid that Tulimbilu Malinga moves
4: to Kwasizaband. From a rural space where you was just—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm just a kid who knows nothing other than what was there really. Our life revolved around going to plow the fields and then go to school and then come home. And then suddenly, you—you're going to a space where you—you're going to experience the new way of living. That I mean, for the first time, they bought me a duvet. I was like, okay, this is nice. And suddenly. I had a toiletry bag where I kept my towels. I had my own things in terms of Vaseline that I had. So it just represented a lot of small changes, but it was just a scenery change. It was people change. I wasn't going to be seeing just my parents and church. I was going to make new friends. Later on, we have a meeting where we are greeted, we are given the rules, a little bit of a briefing, and why we're here. I was just so overwhelmed. I was just, for me, it felt like this is a new life. But I do remember them saying that it's important for us to be grounded in God because the world is, is becoming the devil's seat or something like that. Each day presents a new adventure. We're going to be clearing an old bus because we're going to create a classroom out of it or it's going to be under a tree that we're going to be... And we're experiencing new teachers, um, some of them white, who can speak isiZulu. It's all exciting. It's beautiful. I mean, it feels... It literally felt, I don't know what heaven feels like, but it feels good. It felt really good.
1: In apartheid South Africa, Wasis seems like a racial utopia. Everyone is treated equally on the surface. Initially,
4: the disparities are not so glaring. There's the dining hall that everybody goes to eat at. But our food is not the same. But at this point, it doesn't matter. We're here. We're part of this big dream, a South Africa that is united. And the white people in this place speak Isi Zulu so well. They must be Zulu themselves. So it's, it works on you wanting to believe the best of this world. And then one
1: day... In the classroom, Zolimbila and her cousin Fagazi are kidding around.
4: Fagazi is such a funny character. He's making jokes and he's making noise and we're laughing. And I'm not afraid to laugh at his jokes because I know that we're related. So I, I didn't think it was going to be an issue. One of the teachers comes in and he says, you guys are, are inappropriate. I'm like, how are we inappropriate? One, you're making a noise. Okay, we're sorry for the noise. But two, you're not supposed to relate the way you relate. These relationships between boys and girls are not allowed. I was like, but he's my cousin. Now, every day is presenting a new thing. You are constantly reminded of things you shouldn't do. It starts with Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we speak English. So that's how we grow our language ability. And if you don't speak English, you you get punished. And then on Tuesday, we speak Afrikaans and on Thursday, we speak isiZulu. Those beatings for not speaking the language, they're starting to be a bit more evident and and real. So you start being afraid. You start toning down because you're English. You don't want to speak English because your English is not so good and, and, and. Those are little things, but they start to step away the energy and the love for, for being in the space. And then, then the, there's activities that we need to do. Maybe some of them are fun, some of them are not so fun, but you cannot opt out. You can't say, I don't want to do this. Because if you don't want to do this, you're going to have to answer why you don't want to do this. And... When you're being asked why you don't want to do this, it comes from a place of fear. If you don't tell the truth, you're not going to go to heaven, you're gonna to go to hell. One of the most important things that is being drilled every day is confessions. Confessions are becoming more and more each day. It's important to understand this. Confession is central to how
1: KSB works. You have to confess your sins to a coworker who has to confess to the elders, who have to confess to the big man himself, Erlo Stegen. But even though you have to confess your sins all the time, they do not tell you what sin is. You must figure it out yourself
4: while preparing for the worst. What is now starting to set in is fear. And you're starting to set into a mode or a... A trend of starting to hide things or hide yourself. Then we have sessions where we're going to, they're supposed to be entertainment or recreational. It's a movie night. But what we're going to watch is something that is going to fuel the fear that is now starting. You're going to watch the burning hell or the believer's heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Estes Perkle. And I'm here at Mount Sinai. It was here many, many years
2: ago that Moses climbed this mountain. We could recount the burning bush, God's voice from heaven, the Ten Commandments, but our story today deals with another aspect of this area hell.
1: Also present at the mission's movie night is Erica Bornman. Since the last time we saw her in Escort, her mother's only become more devout. Finally, she wins the big argument against Erica's father. The whole family. All five of them have left the normal world behind. They are now all living at the mission.
0: The first time I see the movie, The Burning Hell, I am sitting next to my father.
2: Jesus was talking about a place called hell, and it was in an expanse like this that we see for the first time people actually being put into hell.
0: He pulls me onto his lap and he tucks my head into his shoulder. But even though he averts my eyes and he presses my head into his shoulder, I can still hear the screams and the wails. And then my father leaves. He goes to France. I'm left on my own. Where, where are we? my eyes and avert my eyes a co-worker comes and taps me on the shoulder and says look open your eyes look at the screen the toddlers are forced to watch it i'm at least older than them
2: to me one of the most awful things about hell will be the tormenting worms in isaiah chapter 14 verse 11 we read about people being in hell in a place where the worms are spread under them and the worms cover them hell is a place where the worm dieth not
0: this is what awaits me if I do not do what they say. This is what's going to happen to me if I do not obey them.
4: When we leave the hall where we were watching the movie, you want to sit there and wait for your coworker to whom you confess your sins. Sometimes you have to create sins because you're not aware what is sinful and what is not. So sometimes you have to create sins. You you have to think about what lie you told. If any person just thinks that you did not speak nicely to them, if anyone is, is not happy with you, you need to think about those people so that you can go confess before you go to sleep so that when God comes, you, you, you are ready. If for whatever reason, there's a thunderstorm, you're already thinking that God is coming for you and he's going to ask you out.
1: 10 months now, I've been snooping on an old neighbour. This is how it comes about. It's November, 2019, lunchtime. Everyone still works in an office and I'm sitting at my desk at News24 in Auckland Park, in Johannesburg. I overhear our assistant editor, Peter Detoy talk to my boss about a possible expose of a place called KSB. So I pipe up Do you mean Zamandu? So you see, I went to school right next door. We even played hockey against them. I say to the editor, there were always rumours about them. The editor says, great, you know more than the rest of us. Do you think you'll be able to talk your way into a cult? that's the question that started a mission that has consumed me since then. I mean, there were all these rumours about KSB back then, but I haven't thought of them since I wrote Matrix 12 years ago. To tell you the truth, we always thought it was strange when we played hockey against them. The girls would arrive and their skirts were almost down to their ankles. Now I want to know what was up with all the rumours from the mission around the bend?
0: I cannot carry on living my lovely life in Cape Town knowing that such grievous injustices are being done and I have knowledge about it.
1: Erica wants the truth to come out. The truth about Kwasi Zabante and its messiah, Elo Stegen. A few months ago, here she is on the phone, begging someone to tell us what he knows. It's Alo Stegens' own brother.
0: The reason for this investigation is because there is still so much abuse happening at Kwasisavantu and that yeah. I think it's just not just myself and Wimquis, but other people who also feel very, very strongly that the time really has come for the abuse to stop. There are more children being born there. There are more children being raised there. And that is my, that is my, that is why with Wimkwes and everybody else's support. I mean, I'm not acting on my own here.
1: Wimkwes is Kwas Kreef, a former co-worker at KSB. He's one of the people working together with Erica and News24 to expose abuse at the mission, all under the guise of Christianity and revival.
0: I'm hoping that this investigation will shine so much light on the dark corners and the horrible things that happen. There needs to be accountability. There needs to be... The the abuse needs to stop.
1: We'll talk about the abuse next time, but first to the Midmar Dam for another KSB surprise.
3: The Akwele Midmar Mile is more than a mile. It's a goal, a dream, a promise. It's a deal. In a
1: dam, 2 hours drive from KSB, among more green hills of KZN, thousands converge every year to swim the Midmar Mile, sponsored by Aquele mineral water. Everyone is scantily clad, the men and the women. So what could KSB possibly have to do with the Midmar Mile, sponsored by Aquele mineral water,
3: and an ice called Aquele? Aquele water is the crown jewel of Kwasi revenue.
1: Meet Ghat van der Waal from Tswane. He has family at Kwasi and he's been investigating its financial affairs for the past two
3: years. Kwasi Sabantu is funded largely, or to a very large extent, by Aquele Water. And the cult uses Aquele Water to pay for all sorts of their endeavours and their shenanigans, if I could call it that, KSB supplies Aquele water to most of the supermarkets that we all know, to most of the quick shops and most of the Celtics and Shells and Sassel quick shops that you would walk into. You would find a bottle of Aquele water, which is owned by the KSB cult. Each and every cent finds its way into the KSB coffers.
1: Aside from garage forecourts, you can buy Aquele mineral water at Spa, Pick and Pay. Macro, ShopRite, and Checkers. But mineral water is not where it ends. KSB produces so much more than that. We do have a large portion of the upper-income customer. We're very pleased about that. Here's the CEO of Woolworths, Zyder Islands. It started with doing the right thing. She's talking to CNBC Africa about the company's decision in 2015 to remove sweets from the queues at the cash registers. We have had, over many years, a very loyal customer base who has supported us if we do the right thing. And this, for us, is doing the right thing. But there's some other products that Woolworths is perfectly happy to stock. The fruits of the labourers of Kwasi Band. We feel very positive about the fact that this is just the next step in our good food journey. In a statement to News24, Woolworths said they were aware of the allegations levelled against KSB. A statement reads, quote... We take allegations such as these very seriously. As far as our supplier is aware, no formal charges have been laid for authorities to investigate. End quote. However, Wilwood says it's not worried about the conditions at the mission. Quote, Independent auditors have visited the supplier and reported that the supplier adheres to our code of business principles for ethical and sustainable business practices. End quote. It's become apparent that KSB's fingers stretch far. If you shop in South Africa, it's harder to get away from the mission than you think. For instance, exactly how much do you know about where your local supermarket gets its produce? Next time on Exodus. When approached by News24 for comment, KSB stated that these allegations relate mostly to private family matters. A statement reads, quote, As much as you are implying that the mission is responsible for every incident involving its congregation, we can assure you that we strive to always act within the prescripts of the law, end quote. And also, the investigation, quote, smacks of a smear campaign rather than a genuine search for justice. You are invited to publish that we welcome any police investigation into any of the allegations, end quote. This was Exodus Chapter 1 The Mission. It was produced by me, Noctula Manyati, and written by me and Dion Wiggett, who is also the creator. The sound engineer is Sean Jeffress, and our production manager is Charlene Droit. Field recording by Alyoshka Karlstock. Reporting on this story is by Tammy Peterson and Azara Karim, with editors Sheldon Marias and Paul Herman. The editor in chief is Adrian Person. Special thanks for this episode goes to Mpora Burife and Shante Shuts. music courtesy of Getty Images and Epidemic Sound. If there's anything about KSB that you'd like to share with us, you can mail us at exodus at 24.com. If anything came up for you while listening to this episode, you can always call the South African Depression and Anxiety Group on 0800-456-789. This has been a production of of News 24.